From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, St. Louis Park Community Development Director Karen Barton talks to FNC reporter J.T. Duggan. With an incoming light rail line, St. Louis Park is expecting a massive influx of development, and city leaders are aiming to stay ahead of it. The city has prioritized sustainability, inclusion, and accessibility with its approvals, utilizing tax increment financing to make sure the right kinds of projects go through. Hey, today we have Karen Barton with us. She's the uh, Community Development Director for St. Louis Park and has been for five years, um, but she's been doing community development work for about 25 years. Um, there's a lot happening in St. Louis Park, so I'm really excited that Karen is joining us to talk about that action. Uh, hey, Karen, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Of course. Um, just to get started, what are some of the highlights of developments that are happening in St. Louis Park right now? Uh, so some of the highlights happening right now, um, we've got a number of uh, large multifamily uh, housing, apartment housing developments that, that are in process. Um, we had three recently that received uh, their low-income housing tax credits. So that was a big push to get those underway and they're breaking ground this year. We've got a couple major developments uh, right along two of our uh, light rail stations that are mixed-use developments. Uh, that will be getting underway this year and then um, next year as well. So um, a lot of things going on. Very busy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot happening there. Um, How does the city prepare for a major influx of development? Uh, Yeah. So, you know, due to St. Louis Park's great location and desirability, uh, we've had major developments occurring really over the last couple couple of decades. Um, So, in that in that sense, we've always been preparing and developing for you know continued development in the city. However, I will say that it, you know in the past five years that I've been there, uh, we've had a significant increase in development, and really don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Sure. Uh, so some of the things that we've done to prepare for this is really um, by proactively making strategic acquisitions in areas that we feel are ripe for redevelopment, um, as well as ramping up our staff. Um, internally to assist the developers in the pre-application application permitting process to really help make that go as quickly and smoothly as possible. Yeah. Um, I want to know a bit more about that. I imagine St. Louis Park is completely built out and probably has been for a very long time. How does the city work with developers or um, work internally to target opportunities for redevelopment? Yeah. So um, some of the things that we do, I mentioned we do this strategic acquisitions. Um, as, as we, you know, recognize areas, especially like around our light rail stations, we've known for several years that these are going to be areas that will be targeted for redevelopment. So we've made strategic acquisitions in those areas. Um, and then once we own the property, what we typically do is we'll do a request for proposal um, 
to get developers to respond. And then we'll work with the developers uh, to really um, create something that is um, meeting all of the, the city's goals and, and desires and priorities for that property. Um, additionally, developers uh, will find properties uh, that, you know, on their own throughout the city that they they're, would like to redevelop. Um, and then we will work with them, um, meet with them early on. We encourage them to meet with us to talk about their plans and what they want to do on that property so that we can help them um, understand the, the zoning and land use guidance, um, the city's requirements, uh, um, and also like financial assistance that might be available to them. Um, and then once we get rolling on the projects, we've got staff ramped up to, to really help walk them through and guide them through step-by-step step of the process and, and help them creatively address any uh, issues that might come up. Um, as you can imagine in redevelopment scenarios, uh, oftentimes it's like trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. And so you've got to be really creative um, in figuring out how we can solve these, you know, kind of one-off problems. Sure, sure. What is St. Louis Park doing to kind of increase the uh, diversity of housing stock to address, you know, different levels of the housing continuum or uh, create home ownership opportunities, things like that. Yeah, great question. Thank you. Um, uh, we're doing a variety of things. Uh, working with the, the developers, we obviously have a, a, a strong interest in um, high density multifamily housing that, that's been occurring in the city. We adopted an inclusionary housing policy back in 2015 which requires a certain percentage of units to be affordable um, within a development uh, if the development is seeking financial assistance or some other things from the city. Additionally, we require a certain number of family size housing um, units in, in those developments. Um, and then as uh, um, working with the developers, we're also looking at our needs. We have uh, a study done every few years um, from Maxfield Research on our housing to really help guide us and, and help us better understand what the community needs are, um, current and future, and um, use that to, to help us work with the developers to say, you know, we really need some more senior housing, we need more um, deeply affordable. Uh, with the home ownership opportunities, uh, those are a little more challenging. Uh, not many developers are building condominiums um, because of the restrictive state laws around that um, and the insurance um, part of it. But we are uh, working with some nonprofit developers to on our own city-owned land um, to develop some um, affordable homeownership um, twin homes that will be uh, available for sale in the next couple of years. And, and then also doing some uh, down payment assistance programs, um, pretty significant ones for uh, for different uh, folks to um, enter into home ownership in the city of St. Louis Park. Yeah, cool. I saw a document showing that St. Louis Park has a pretty high uh, captured TIP capacity compared to other cities. Can you tell me about some of the conversations, concerns, benefits to offering a lot of tax increment financing for new developments? Sure. Yeah. So St. Louis Park is a fully developed first ring suburb, um, meaning that pretty much all of our uh, developments are redevelopments. And redevelopments are typically more expensive due to things like land assembly, acquisitions, demolition, cleanup on the property. The result of which is that, um, you know, if the city wants to see 
this redevelopment occur, then the city really needs to step up and, and provide financial assistance on occasion to help make the development financially feasible. Um, tax increment financing is an excellent tool to achieve that. Um, part of the requirements with the tax increment financing is what's called a but-for test. Um, so we work with uh, our financial consultant for the city to um, review the financials of the proposed development and, and determine that um, yes, but for the use of tax increment financing, this development wouldn't occur. So, um, you know, it's not us just handing out money. It's it's really based on the need for the particular development. Some of the benefits that um, uh, are associated with using tax increment financing for these developments is that, you know, the city's getting a new development on an underutilized and or blighted property. Uh, it significantly increases the um, taxes the city receives in 10 to 15 years when the TIF obligations have been met for that project. Um, it helps strengthen the city's economy by bringing more people in to patronize and support our local businesses. It also helps our school district um, stay strong by increasing opportunities for families to live in the city. And then it helps further our own strategic priorities around um, offering a broad range of housing, increasing mobility options, um, addressing climate change, resiliency, racial disparities. Um, some of the, I know that some folks are opposed to TIF, and I think it's really because they don't understand the mechanics of it. And they're they're typically opposed because they think the city is giving tax dollars to the developer that are being currently being used for other things or can be used for other things in the city. Um, and that's really not the case. The the city, county, and school district um, continue to receive the the original amount of taxes they did on that property before rede redevelopment. Uh, and the developer then is only getting a portion of the increased taxes mm -hmm. uh, that are due to that redevelopment and the increased market value. And um, that that we give those payments to the developer in a method we call pay-as-you-go. Mm -hmm. uh, so the developer has to pay the taxes first before they get paid. Um, if they weren't, if they didn't pay their taxes, they're not getting any tax increment financing. So really no risk to the city. Um, it's more of an investment tool, mm -hmm. um, a subsidy, right. if you you know, if you look at it. And so I personally think TIF is a, a great tool to use. Sure. And it uh expires eventually, right? So then right. that amount comes to the city in place of whatever the uh maybe strip mall or whatever was there before was giving to the city. Exactly. And you know, that they have maximum maximum lives of these dis TIF districts, which are usually, you know, anywhere from, um, you know, nine to 26 years. But we're really prudent with uh, use of our tax increment financing, and, and we keep that to a minimum. So all of our districts, you know, we have a policy that we don't go beyond 15 years unless there's extenuating circumstances. And we really try and minimize that. So it does bring that additional tax revenue on sooner rather than later. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the benefits of it. I'm thinking developments are going to happen along the light rail, probably no matter what, right? Why would um why would there still be offering? Why would you still be offering uh, TIF for for some of those projects? Great question. Um, uh, so the city, as I mentioned, we have strategic priorities, right? We we um uh, really are looking to increase um 
the the housing options for people to live in the city uh, really increase our affordable housing and especially deeply affordable housing housing available to households at you know 30 and 50 percent of area median income um, we're uh, looking to address climate change um, and promote resiliency we're um, looking at uh, mobility issues and and racial equity those are all our strategic priorities and so we have a lot of requirements, um, our inclusionary housing policy, green building policy, diversity, equity, inclusion policy um, that we, we place on these developments and it adds costs, it does add costs. So really we're investing in those strategic priorities by um, you know, helping these developments to be successful um, financially um, yeah. with these added costs to, to the development. Right. That makes sense, which goes back to the but for of the developer wouldn't necessarily be able to do all those things without that. Exactly. Place, right. Yep. Exactly. Um, what is what does the city look at as it's trying to kind of as it's densifying, as it's trying to modernize? Um, I think you've spoken to some of that, but maybe you could get in more in depth about some of those things with um, presumably like walkability, accessibility, um, climate change, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. Um, you know, again, going back to our strategic priorities, that's that's exactly what we're we're looking at. Um, we're in these new developments. We're looking to create um, trail connections and new sidewalk connections. Um, we're looking at other things like um, uh, uh, vehicle sharing, um, electric vehicle charging, solar on the developments. Um, we're looking at them to help um, advance. Uh, equity and you know uh, address racial disparities in our community through providing affordable housing um, and larger housing units, things like that. Um, and um, uh, and with our green building policy, we're really trying to um, you know reduce carbon emissions to the extent possible in all these buildings. Um, so that that's kind of some of the things that we're really focused on in all these new developments is ensuring that they're they're checking off the boxes for our strategic priorities. Yeah. Do you find developers to be receptive to these things? Um, you know, it, it's been a process. So over the five years, um, a lot of this stuff was, was new. Um, St. Louis Park tends to be kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff. We were one of the first ones to have an inclusionary housing policy. Right. And so, God, so yeah. Yeah, so that was that was kind of tough for at first, you know, early on for developers going, yeah, this I you know, we don't do this. This is strange, you know, help walk us through it. And but now as it's become more mainstream, most developers just understand, yep, we're gonna have to include affordable units. Um, we're gonna have to include um some energy efficiencies and resiliencies. Um so it, it's all of that has become more acceptable. And um, especially more palatable when they know that the city's willing um, to partner and step up and help um, by offering financial assistance when it's needed. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if uh, this is a little redundant, but why would the city want to be more dense? What is, what is the appeal to bringing more people into St. Louis Park? Yeah, no, great question. Thanks. So. Um, for several reasons, you know, it, it makes sense to um, densify. We're we're a first ring suburb, 
and um, to help a lot with environmental issues. You know, it's it's better to have more people where they can easily access um, goods and services and schools and jobs. Um, so, you know, that's that's one part of it um, is just for the environment. Another part is you know helping to support the the city's. Um, we have great school district, and we want to support that and keep that going. Mm-hmm. And by um, creating opportunities for more families to move into the city, um, that that helps support our um, school system. And then, of course, with the light rail stations, um, by getting more density around there, people have easy access to transportation. They don't necessarily even have to own a car, um, you know. And again, that goes to to um, helping the environment and helping congestion with, uh, you know, transportation around the city and that. Another reason for the um, density, honestly, is is, has to do with the fact that we are fully developed and and to um, if a developer is going to come in and want to build something there, they have all the additional costs associated with, as I mentioned, the acquisition and the demolition and the cleanup and that. And so it's it's not financially feasible. It doesn't make any sense for them to tear down a single family home and put in a single family home. Sure. Um, you know, they really have to increase the density to to offset some of those costs. Right, right. Um, from a city perspective, what tips would you have for developers looking to work in a city they've never worked in before? Uh, first and foremost, come in and talk to the planning and development staff early on. Right. Uh, you know, we're here to help them navigate the land use and zoning, um, make sure they're aware of all of our city requirements up front so they can plan for them, um, as well as any financial assistance that may be available to them. Um, we're really big on helping developers apply for grants, and we're very successful in landing millions in grants for developments. Um, and then also, as I mentioned, working through any challenges with the pro- pro- proposed redevelopment um, given. Um, that it's, you know, fitting on an existing parcel and a built-out area. Um, You know, we really want to partner with the developer to ensure that the development is successful for everyone involved. And Mm -hmm. so come in, talk to us early on. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Um, I don't have any other questions. Was there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? No, I don't think so. This is great. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks, Jake. Take care. See you.